0: We are finishing uh, our last week on the series, a four-week series, called Three Dimensions of Grace. Um, as you remember, we just been kind of repeating ourselves right at the beginning, kind of doing some review that grace is a powerful word. It is what drives us. It is what makes us. It, was, it is what builds us. Grace motivates us. And, of course, grace saves us. So when we hear the word grace, it carries a lot of weight um, in Scripture. And we've been focused on the three dimensions that it has to offer in Scripture. And we'll show a chart on the board that we've reviewed every single week during um, the process of talking about this series. Here are the three dimensions of grace. It's an unconditional acceptance, an empowerment for growth and service, and a cleansing from sin. Uh, The goal is to take those three dimensions and keep them in balance. Because if we lose our balance on those three dimensions, we can easily get off track. And just to show you how we can get off track is that if we look at grace and we think, well, grace is a cleansing from sin, and grace is an empowerment for service, for growth and service, um, it changes our mind without even us thinking about it, and it turns us into a legalist, where I am pretty good and everybody else is messed up. I love the law, I obey the law, and I do exactly what I need to do as a believer, and I wish everybody else did everything I do because, you know, I'm pretty good. Um, That person doesn't understand grace. Because they haven't embraced the three dimensions. So that's one way we can get messed up, is in that direction, but we can also get messed up. Next slide, please. And uh, if we grab a hold of unconditional acceptance, see if this guy, over there it is, unconditional acceptance and then also cleansing from sin. Now, if you take this uh, mathematical formula, it's a great mathematical formula to be lazy. Why? Because we've been accepted, freed from our sins, and we've been completely cleansed. But if we don't grab a hold of the growth empowerment or empowerment for growth and service, it creates us into a lazy person. So this person looks like, well, I'll show up, you know, at church kind of whenever I feel like it, maybe Easter, maybe Christmas, maybe once a week, and we kind of make bargains with God on what do I really need to do to get into heaven and I'll do the bottom amount. That person does not understand grace because not dropped the three dimensions. And then there's another person that uh, um, gets messed up. We look at the the three dimensions and we pull them out of balance. If we look at unconditional acceptance, empowerment for growth and service, and then forget about the cleansing, um, what takes place. This person loves the unconditional acceptance. I'm free from sin because God gave me an unmerited gift. I'm empowered, and I'm going to tell the whole world about Jesus, and it really doesn't make a difference how I live because I'm hanging on to those two And I forget about this concept, the cleansing. Therefore, in some people's mind, you might even know some people like this, that I have a license to sin. I can do whatever I want. I'm saved by grace, unconditional acceptance, and I have power to tell the world and power for everything, but we forget about that cleansing aspect. Now, in our notes, we're just going to review and kind of say it in different words, but let's look at number one in our notes. Grace does something for you. Just kind of give a summary what this package word looks like. Grace does something for you, an unconditional acceptance. About six years ago, my family and I were going to go to Disneyland and we've never been to Disneyland before. And we knew somebody in Los Angeles. He was a pastor that used to be up in Washington, but he was in Los Angeles. So we called him and said, hey, we're going to Disneyland. Can you give us the, you know, kind of what we need to do, kind of the fast tricks, how to get through the line, how to, you know, um, what rides should we take, what rides should we not take, those kind of things. And he said, sure. I called back a week later and said, um, guess what? You have free tickets to Disneyland. I said, what are you talking about, free tickets to Disneyland? Well, he goes, I went to my board in my church, and I told him who you were and the impact that JBC has had on my life. And I told him that you're going to Disneyland, and somebody in the board says, I want to buy their tickets. 1,000 bucks, all four of us, for two days. Purchased our tickets, and we went down for free. That is what you call a gift. When we look at salvation, that's what it is. It is a gift, something we can't earn, something we do not deserve, something that we cannot merit, something that we should not have, but somebody gave it to us. Ephesians 2.8, For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith it is not of yourself, it is a gift of God. Grace is, does something for you. When you look at the word grace, it is doing something for you. But grace is also something else. Number two, grace does something with you. They, grace does something alongside you. So we can't just look at the concept of grace that it's going to give me something. It's more than that. It's doing something alongside me. It's doing something with me look out in my um, field and there's a a tree fort that um, is falling down and the floor has just now gotten has been falling out from underneath it so it looks like it's a horrible sight but it reminded me the time that my daughters and I built that tree fort you think oh what a precious time it was when your daughters and you built that tree fort Um, on the contrary it was not that precious of a time and the reason why is because I have some stubborn, determined daughters that like to hammer nails themselves. So if they'd say, Daddy, let me do the nails, I'm like, okay, you could do the nails. Well, they would hit the nail, but the nail would not progress into the board or the tree that it's supposed to. And they'd hit it, they'd hit it, they'd hit it, they'd hit it, they'd hit it. It wouldn't go anywhere except sideways, and then after they go sideways, they go, Daddy, can you straighten it up? So then I'd straighten it up, they'd hit it, they'd hit it, and it'd go sideways. Daddy, can you straighten it up? And we did that for hours. And, um, and I'm like, will you just let me hit the nails? No, 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 Daddy, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. Um, I worked alongside my girls. It was, it was a good time. It was a memorable time. It was a rich time, but at the time it was a process. You, know, you look at God and Him working with us, I think he would say, you know, it's a process sometimes. You know, it's a process where I have to be patient. I have to be extra loving. I have to be extra forgiving. I have to take care of you and nurture you along. That's what grace is, though. Grace is God working alongside of us. And it is a process, even for him, as he carries so much patience with us. Ephesians 2, eight. for it is by grace, oh, I'm sorry, the wrong passage, 2 Corinthians 12.9, but he said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect when you are weak." In other words, just step back and let me work through you. Let me work alongside of you. You are my conduit of the salvation message, but the message is what saves. So don't get in the way of the message. Step back and watch my work flow through you. Acts 4:33, and with great pro- power The apostles were given testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. They were telling about what God has done, and grace continued to fill them, continued to abound them, continued to carry them. They were not alone in the message that they were given, but God was working with them. Even though it was just a message, God was still working with them. The third aspect is grace does something to you. When you read the whole Testament, um, you might get into Genesis and enjoy the book of Genesis. It offers many stories, and then Exodus um, is a lot more stories at the front, and then you get into kind of the uh, the Tabernacle, and then it kind of gets lengthy with the laws and all the laws that are given, and then you get into um, Leviticus. and I don't know if you've ever read Leviticus, but if you had, you will go, "Why is this in the Bible?" It is rule after rule, law after law, sacrifice after sacrifice. And it just goes down to the minute details about how to be clean in front of God. What there is, is there's rigorous instructions about sacrifices, there's ritualistic bathing, there's types of clothing that people need to wear, and if you don't do this, then you're not clean nor pure before God. Why is that book in the Bible? It shows the importance of how, uh, how we must be clean, and it also shows the weight that it takes to clean somebody. And when I look at that, and I'm like, there's no way I can be clean in the Old Testament, and the people in the Old Testament were thinking the same way. There is no way I can be washed clean as well. So the whole Old Testament talks about the law, and as people tried to be clean underneath it, there was no way that it was happening. Then somebody else showed up. Jesus says, I will put the law, all those things, upon myself. And I will carry the weight of the law. And I will do it completely. And then when I do it completely, I will die in people's stead. To the cross, raise again, giving them the gift of cleansing that they think that those things will work, because they won't work. But I will give them the ultimate grace of cleansing so they can see God. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. It does not say that he is lavishing on us. It said that he took this grace and poured it on us, meaning that we were cleansed at the time that he poured it on us. Been married for 22 years, and after the ceremony, I would say that my life changed. I um, don't sleep in sleep in the same bed as my wife. I work with my wife. I walk with my wife. I, I'm one flesh with my wife. I have responsibility. We share our finances. We share a home. We share everything. Things changed when I got married. There was that ceremony that I could look back 22 years ago and say, before the ceremony and after the ceremony. There's a ceremony when we receive salvation. And what the ceremony is, is a washing that takes place of your sins. This richness of God's grace is not God's power. It's not God's unmerited favor. It's a washing that he lavishes on us. Psalms 51.7, here's David talking. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. David is crying out to God for what? For a washing. Crying out to God for a salvation. He had sin on his shoulders, and he wanted it off. Do you see the desperateness that has taken place there? Went backpacking about a month ago, and uh, went through half of Washington, and it was 250 miles, and it was exhausting. And as I mentioned before, I made a lot of mistakes. One mistake that I made was I carried way too big of a backpack, Um, just to give you a kind of perspective on how heavy my backpack was, is that um, I came home and I researched everybody else that was carrying those lightweight backpacks to see what they were carrying because I wanted to buy myself one. And uh, I noticed that, um, looking at all the weight because I'm going to try to get my weight down, their backpack, their sleeping bag, their tent, their pillow, and their sleeping pad weighed the same amount as my empty backpack which is 8 pounds. So I'm thinking, oh, this is a great idea. I'm going to get this. Of course, the bill is like $1,000 after I add everything up, but I wanted to get the weight off my backpack. Why did I want to get the weight off my backpack? Because it was killing me. My feet were exhausted. My body was exhausted. I went into Trout Lake, which is a resupply area, and I had gone 100 miles, and my backpack was way too heavy, and I hitchhiked into Trout Lake 14 miles, and I went to the post office. And I walked into the post office and said, I need a box because I'm going to mail some stuff home. So she gives me this box and she looks at me and says, well, aren't you going to pay for the box? And I'm like, of course I'll pay the box. I'm not going to steal this box. I promise, lady, I won't steal this box. As soon as I bring it out, I'm going to pile it up because I don't want this stuff. I will be bringing the box back. She goes, oh yeah, I I think you will because she looked at my condition. Sure enough, I went out, I put everything in the box, I gave the box back, I paid, what, 14 bucks and I mailed 11 pounds home. And that's 11 pounds lighter. And then I started giving all my food away on the trail and it just kept getting lighter and lighter and lighter and I was getting more alive, more alive, more alive, more alive. Look at the sin that's on David. Cleanse me, wash me clean. It's a weight that he did not want to carry, a weight that was on him, that was destroying him, that was bringing guilt to him. That was annihilating his emotions, that was tearing him down. Same kind of weight that was on a backpack that I just wanted to get rid of. He's begging for the same thing. Please release it from me. Acts twenty two, sixteen. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on the name of Jesus. What does sin do? It puts on a unnecessary weight that destroys us that ruins us, that controls our emotions, do we ever cry out and say, God, I want this weight gone? Well, see, salvation message and grace comes, says, I will take that weight away if you come to me and ask to give it, and and ask me in your heart. If you come to me and say, God, please take my weight away, he says, I'll do it. He says, and now when you're waiting, get up, Be baptized, wash your sins away, call on my name, and you will be clean. See, when Christ came, something large happened. We die because of our sin, we perish because of our sin, and we go to hell because of our sin. When Christ came and was the ultimate sacrifice to wash our sin away, sin no longer kills us. It doesn't kill anybody. In fact, the only thing that sin can do and ruin somebody is the person that rejects God's grace. You see the difference there? As we think, oh, I'm lost because of sin, I'm hurt because of sin, I'm destroyed because of sin, I'm going to perish for eternity because of sin. You're not. You're going to perish for eternity because you reject God's grace. God's grace is handed to you and says, take it and you'll be saved. Your sin is weighing you down. God says, let me have it, and you'll be saved. You see that power of grace? 1 Corinthians six eleven. you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You see the power of grace? Grace is not even mentioned in that verse, but it's explaining the verse and what grace does. You were washed, this is given to you. You are sanctified. With you I will be. You are justified. This is given for you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at the concept of cleansing. Number four, this cleansing grace makes you alive. Again, I was cutting wood. I think that's like four weekends in a row. And I finished it today. But I went out there with a the tractor to move the large stumps from the dirt that they were in. And uh, sure enough, I moved the stumps and I was traveling back with the tractor. And I will tell you, it's a monster tractor, but it started sputtering, and then it would stop. It started sputtering, and it would stop. It started sputtering, and it would stop. And, And what I mean by stop is that it would shut off. So I would get off the tractor, and I knew what the problem was. I knew that there's little fibers in the... It's an old, old tractor, so it's a glass filter. Little fibers in the filter that stops the gas from going into the carburetor. So what I do, I pull the thing off, And I empty it and there's only a little bit of things that's stopping that entire tractor from having life. I just drop them, get rid of them, put it back on, and then the tractor runs very well. There are some things in our life that are stopping us from having life. There are things in our life that are pulling us back from being happy. There are things in our life that are destroying us. And as it's destroying us, loneliness, depression, oppression, things are coming on top of us. Those little fibers would take the tractor and shut it down. But there's some little fibers that are in our life that do just about the same thing, shutting us down. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, completely shuts us down. Have you ever seen the words forgiveness? The Bible is very strong about forgiveness. But why is the Bible strong about forgiveness? Because those are little fibers that are in your carburetor that will shut you down, that will generate, destroy your emotions, that will that will um, destroy your emotions, bring you to loneliness, make you anger, build you with malice. A couple other things that will just pull you down: hate, anger, bitterness, guilt. Those things just take the life completely out of you. Now, if you look at these things you will say, well, these are not sins necessarily from the present or even the future. These are sins that have taken place in the past. In other words, something has happened to me, and that is why I'm refusing to forgive. Something happened to me that should not have happened to me, and that is why hate has been generated in my heart. Anger does not come from a future event. Anger comes from a past event Bitterness does not come from a future event as well. It comes from a past event. And guilt comes from a sin that has already been taken place. Ephesians 5, 2-4, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Can you be saved from forgiveness for lack of forgiveness? Can you be saved from hate and anger and bitterness? Can you be saved from guilt? The only way you can be saved from those things is if your past is washed completely clean. The only way you can be saved is if that grace is not just a gift that's handed to you for salvation, that that grace is not just a gift that is handed to you that can work in you, but that that grace can take your past and wash it clean. Is it powerful enough? 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given, in the, uh, given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial through overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. You see the pain of their frustration, the hurt of their, 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 their poverty, but they have something else that's coming up. What is that something else that's coming up? That is a grace that is in their heart. It is a grace that is in their heart that transfers their mind of, I've been forgiven, therefore I can forgive. I am loved because I've been loved. I can release my anger because God released his anger on me. I can let go of my bitterness because Jesus has let go of the bitterness on me. I can drop my guilt because... I can be washed clean with this grace that is there. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, For as in Adam all, all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Romans 6, 11, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And then Colossians 2, 13, When you are dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us, of all our sins, that passage says that God made you alive, not is going to make you alive, but made you alive is, "He's made me alive right now. And the things that are pulling me down, the things that are weighting me down, and the things that are destroying me and ruin me, can be washed clean. God knows that there is no way we can even move forward unless we are clean. See, what happens with um, sin is is sin generates sin. If we have sin that is on us or sin that has been done to us or sin that we have done, all that takes place is more and more sins start coming to the surface. The beautiful thing about grace is grace has come to start washing every circumstance, every situation, wash you completely clean so you can be what they call born again, that I now have a new life in Christ, and my past is done away, I'm going to start over right now. And when I start over right now, I can find the freedom. Where? In God's cleansing grace. Letter A, don't let your past sin destroy you. This is just the challenge. Um, off number four, cleansing grace makes you alive. The things that destroy you is past sin. Now, when it comes to the concept of sin, and I don't want to get deep into this concept, and I have done it in the past when it comes to the topic of slavery to sin, but there's two different kinds of sins. There's sins that have been done to you, and there's sins that you have done. Sins that have been done to you have defiled you. In other words, sin brings death, sin brings torment, sin brings everything it touches, it annihilates. Well, there's people that did not sin, but there's people where sin done, has done against them. Let's just give a couple examples. Maybe you've been raised by an alcoholic father. Being raised in an by an alcoholic father, did you sin? You didn't sin, but somebody else sinned. It was your father who sinned, and that sin defiled you. That sin touched you. That fit sin even brought death pieces to you. What about being raised by an absent father? Well, you're not the one that sinned. Father sinned, but still there is a stain that is upon you. You look at the statistics on those who have been sexually molested, they're extremely high. Did that person ever sin who was molested? Never. But does that person suffer consequences? Well, every time there's sin, there's death. So there is extreme consequences that come from that sin consequences that don't necessarily go away. When you hear these passages, God, please wash me. Please clean me. God, please let me be born again. You're begging for this grace that will give you a new start. A grace that will wash you clean to say, I was this person then, but I'm a new person now. Now I want to step forward. In the gift of grace that God has given me. So I said, two kinds of sin. One is a sin that has been done to you, another sin is a sin that you do. Again, it brings the same consequences, it brings death, brings pain, brings hurt. Whenever you sin, something dies. Um, many of us can look at our past and say, Oh, I remember the times that I was a rebellious teenager. And boy, I wish I could go back and change this, that, and the other. I mean, you can look back at the past and say, I was the absent father that should have been there, and, um, and I wasn't. Well, is there any hope for you? There is hope. You can be washed. You can be clean. You can go to God and say, God, I want your amazing grace to wash me so I can be whiter in snow before you. This is so important. The reason why it's so important is because, remember, sin generates sin, and as long as sin is on us, more sin starts to come. And as more sin starts to come, we must be clean if we're going to move on. Hebrews ten twenty two through 23, Let us draw near with sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Sprinkled clean from what? An evil conscience. You know what consciences are. But what happens with consciences, they don't stop. They keep going, they keep going, they keep going, and Satan loves them because he's going to go guilt, 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 guilt. And what does it do? It ruins you. But we can come with assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from a conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. You can use the word again that John uses in John 3. Being born again. This is what happens. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Grace is given to us to wash us clean. And the reason why God has given us grace to wash us clean is because he knows that we cannot move forward without it. He knows that we cannot exist without it. He knows that we have loved ones that need it. And what is their answer? Their answer is feeding them God's grace and showing them God's grace that you are a clean person. No matter what anybody's done to you or no matter what what you have done, you can be washed clean with the blood of God. Number five, this is the second thing. The cleansing gives you a new master. We live in the world where um, we have the comment that John Wayne attitude that I am my own master. I am not ruled by anything. I'm not ruled by anybody. I am independent, and when we say we are independent, it's some sort of strength that um, is displayed to say, wow, this person is very powerful because he's independent. The truth of the matter is, is that we were not created to be independent. We are created to be mastered, mastered by somebody, mastered by something, Maybe mastered by a God. Let's look at some things that you could be mastered by. Mastered by greed, mastered by anger, mastered by addiction, mastered by hate, mastered by malice, mastered by sex. These things just take us and they own us. So anybody that stands up and says, I am my own dependent person is making a false statement. They are mastered by something and you will go as low as the thing that you are mastered by. Some people are mastered by love. And their obsession is, if I only had that boy, if I only had that girl, and they will not stop because they are mastered by that person, their situations and their circumstances, and that's where they're focused on. But this cleansing gives you a new master, and that's neither an object or even a person, but it is is God. When you come to God and say, God, I want your amazing grace, there is a washing that takes place, and when the washing takes place, you are now dying to your old self, and you're looking to God and saying, you're my King of kings, you're my Lord of lords, and I want to be mastered by nothing else. Why? Because you're the one that's going to give me life. Nothing else will. Romans seven fourteen says, this is Paul speaking, I do not understand what I do, what I want to do, I do not do, but what I, what, what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good, and it is. It is no longer myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. And a person in my office says, this is the only verse I understand in Scripture. Why do I do what I don't want to do when I don't want to do it and I still do it? That's all in us. It is all in us and we're driven by it. This person is mastered by something else rather than a person by a thing, which is sin. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not be our master. Because you are no longer under the law, but you're under this something else. You're under this cover. You're under this cleansing. You're under this grace. You're living in a whole new category. You're living in a whole other kingdom. You're almost living in a whole other planet. Why? Because the one that masters you pours out a love to you that you will not believe. He forgives you when you don't deserve it. He blesses you when you really shouldn't have it. He makes you really, really wealthy for an entire eternity when you really haven't worked hard enough to earn that great inheritance that we're looking forward to, which is called heaven. He loves you when we're often a pain in the rear. See what takes place is you have a new master, and this master is the one that pours out his love to us, forgives us when we shouldn't forgive us, gives us things that we should not have. That is our new master. Sin always takes, it always kills people always disappoint, the world will always let you down, but this new master that you receive, which is God, will never let you down. Therefore, letter B, don't let your present sin be your master. Do not let your present sin be your master. What are we saved from? A couple of weeks ago we talked about it. We are saved from being blinded by sin, saved from the penalty of sin, saved from being bound by sin. Those are the three things that we are saved from. Now, we often like to make deals with God. God, what can I do to get into heaven and just give me the most minimal thing I can do? And we often come up with, oh, save me from the penalty of sin, which is death and not eternal life. Therefore, I need to what, ask you in my heart. And if I ask in my heart, I'm in and then I can just relax and do whatever you want. The person doesn't understand the beauty of salvation. The beauty of salvation comes from you being blinded by sin. Therefore, you can open your eyes to see what has taken place, what is going on. Of course, the penalty of sin, you can have eternal life with Christ, but also from being bound by sin. Sin, of course, binds us, destroys us, and ruins us. Are we like David who cries out, God, please wash me? God, please clean me. God, please give me eternal life. I want to start brand new again. Romans six fifteen. What then shall we say? Shall, sin be, shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. God wants nothing for you but for you to live. God wants nothing for you but you have life and life in the fullness. And he knows that the only way you're going to have life and life in the fullness is if you have him. Number six, don't let anything take advantage of you. God's grace has made you clean. Don't let the past take advantage of you. The sins in the past, the sins that have been done to you. Don't let the sins that you've done take advantage of you. Look back and say, God, I want them washed completely clean and I want your grace to not be the only thing that I receive, not to be the only thing that I work with, but to be the one thing that washes me clean and makes me new. 1 First John First nine John is a verse that... Uh, is mentioned many times, and I just like to read it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That verse is there um, often for us. And the reason why it's there for us is because we forget the love that God has for us. We forget the forgiveness that God has for us. We forget what he has to offer us. But if we confess with our mouth, all it is, is making a statement. He is always faithful to do what? Wash our sins completely away and to cleanse us, make us clean from all unrighteousness. This is, a, um, this is a verse that we can hang on to to say, Do I really believe in the amazing God that has given me this grace? An amazing God that has given me this washing? An amazing God that has set me free? Here's a quote from Henry Smith. The lawyer can deliver his client from strife. Physicians can deliver his patient from sickness. The master can deliver his servant from bondage. But the Lord can deliver us from everything. Is he your master? If he is, never forget that he has washed you completely clean, and in him you can be born again. Father, we just thank you so much, God, again for this amazing grace. When we look at the concept of how it washes us and how it makes us clean, help us to never take that for granted. But God, help it to be on the forefront of our mind. Help, it to me- help us to meditate on it. Help us to take advantage of it. Just thinking of 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess, it's going to continually take place. We will be washed. We will be clean. We will be forgiven. God, don't let us um, be lazy. Um, at all when it comes to our sin that is destroying us, but help us to be aggressive, to be washed, and to be clean by your amazing grace. Thank you in Christ's name. Amen.